Hey everybody, I want to take a second to tell you about Snagit 2022. I don't have time to go into all the details about Snagit 2022, but it has a variety of options for fast and easy to use video creation. It's got new ways to work across devices and platforms with the new cloud library. And your purchase or upgrade includes your first year of maintenance and the newly updated Snagit certification course. With 20 plus videos of Snagit how-tos, certification is a great way to help you speed up your workflows, unlock potential, and get your work done faster. So check out Snagit 2022 today at snagit.com. And now back to the podcast. I mean, who doesn't love a good sale? And if you don't have one of the Texans products you need to upgrade, go check it out. Cause it's, you know, this is the show. We are Texmas, so we want you to know about the good deals. And it really is the best deal of the year. By more details, watch your inboxes, watch online. You'll find out more. So with that said, let's get into the real meat of today's show because I am just thrilled. If you don't know Buddy Sclera, you are missing out because he is amazing. So what do you need to know about Buddy? Well, he's an award-winning creator with a focus on marketing, storytelling, and technology. For the past 25 years, he's moonlighted as a comic book writer, which is so cool. And he's a creator of the comic book school. He's won three awards for the first anthology, including a Content Marketing Institute award. If you don't know Content Marketing Institute, they do great stuff and teach a lot of people a lot of great things. So with that said, let me introduce my favorite comic book author, Buddy Sclera. The champion. Buddy, welcome. What? Thanks, Matt. You're my favorite video ambassador. <laughs> Perfect. I love I it. Like it. Yes. So we, we can just admire each other from afar. But buddy, so th- thank you for being here because, uh, you know, I think there's this really interesting world that, that you live in that, you know, bridges these kind of the marketing space and then comic books. And um, they're not mar- they're not things that come together a lot uh, in, in a lot of ways. And, and I think there's some things that we can learn here. So but before we get into asking, give us a little tell us a little bit more about yourself. So those who have not heard of you, like what else should we know about Buddy Sclera? Well, Matt, I am a uh, a marketer by trade. My background is in journalism, and I got into tech very, very early, but it was while I was working in the comic book industry building websites for for comic book pros, and and it just sort of evolved from there. Um, Got into writing comic books, and then one day I realized that uh, the visual storytelling that I was doing on a deadline for comic books wasn't all that different than the visual storytelling that I was doing as a marketer or a website designer. So I kind of combined the both of them. Um, and even though by day I work in uh, marketing and, and software technology, um, I still keep a foot in comic books because I think it's a good um, practice to keep a, a side project uh, that exercises uh, that part of your creative self. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you ever find yourself at work just thinking, I'd rather be doing comic stuff right now? <laughs> <laughs> you know, comics are fun. They are fun. They're they're a great outlet and, and it relaxes your brain because you, you have to think differently. But I, I, I will tell you, it has a direct impact on work. You know, the way you think about designing a website or designing slides isn't all that different than the way you would design a visual narrative as a comic book. You have to think in terms of how people interpret content, how they read left to right in a Z pattern. All of these things weigh in. Um, and, you know, every single day, we are all telling visual stories, whether we're making videos or websites or slide decks. Uh, we have to learn how to think visually, and comics is just a great practice for that. 
So let me ask you this because I, you know, I am a comic book. I should say I was a comic book reader. I had the comic book subscription, Captain America, you know, when I was a kid in, in, in Incredible Hulk. In fact, I've got a wall over here with comic books. I've got my, you know, I've got an Excalibur here. Wow. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, oh, here's this is a good one. It's it's not none of these are in great shape, so you know, whatever. Look Iron at Man. That rainbow. That's really nice. Yeah, like I, I you know, I wanted to decorate. I've got I have you know, what if is super hot right now, right? Like I've got all this the you know, I think what was it, the 76, 77 run and the 85 run of what if. So I'm a little bit of a comic book nerd. I, although I don't know nearly as much. But here's what I want to know, buddy. As I'm geeking out, I'm gushing right now. Um, what is that process of, like, what, what, you know, we say you're a comic book writer. But really, what does that mean? Because what I want to do is kind of set the stage for the things. You mentioned some of these skills. They apply to websites and design and stuff like that. But really, when you were creating comic books, what were you doing? Because you weren't doing the art, which I think a lot of people think about comic books and they think about the visuals, like the actual art, right? Like drawing, the inking, the coloring. Um, but what was your role? So, you know, when you're a comic book writer, it's a little bit different when you're writing, let's say, a monthly book. So let's say you're doing a monthly book. Um, you will generally go on a two to three word pitch, you know, Deadpool meets the Punisher. Or when I was writing Richie Rich, it's like Richie Rich meets the Loch Ness Monster. And you go and get an approval from your editor and then if you get that approval you, you write like one paragraph and you just say hey here's what i would like to accomplish in this issue if the editor approves then you go into like a like a story breakdown depending on how much experience you have with the editor you might do a quick story breakdown or you might write, go into plotting and, and comics are very structural matt you know they're 20 pages or 22 pages, depending on the assignment, and no more, no less, right? You, and, and you just have to know what you're going to put on each page. You have to know how pages are facing each other. So there's a lot of structure and math that goes into building a comic. And then you have to figure out how I want that story to work. What's the beginning? What's the middle? What's the end? If there's a cliffhanger, how do I hang that cliffhanger? And how many pages do I need from that? So comic writing is a lot of planning before you actually start to commit uh, the stage direction, which is a little bit like screenwriting, but you, you know you're you're a little bit more detailed. So I write page, panel breakdown, dialogue, and then I turn it in. And then in a, about a month, you get uh, sketched pages back, and then you spot out where the word balloons will go, and then you send it back to the editor. And then in a couple of months, you have a comic in your hands. Super fascinating. So it seems like in that process, one of the things I'm taking away from this is those constraints. Tons of constraints, right? If you can only do 20 to 22 pages, you can only have so many panels per page, you know, you're, you're very limited. H how does that shape, you know, is that an important piece or do, would you, as a writer, would you prefer not having those constraints? You know, Matt, I think you, you key in on something that's extremely important. Every medium has its uh, restrictions and its, its benefits, right? So we think about live streaming video, right? There, there's something special about live streaming video versus if you make a, a, a film or edit a movie. Video is about time. You cannot watch a video any faster or slower and enjoy the experience as it was intended. But in comics, it's about space. That is, you're constrained by the limitations of the page size, no matter what the page size is. Um, so you write to that medium. So understanding what makes that medium special is how you begin to write for it. So a lot of comic book writers also do some work in 
video game writing. Uh, and I, I early in my career, I got to write a lot of interactive uh, pieces. So when you think about that, it's not about necessarily the time or the space. It's about the choice and then where the story branches. And then if you branch out, branch up, and you want it to come to a conclusion that is consistent for most readers or one or two conclusions, you have to write to that. So you, you write a flow chart. So with comics or videos or video games or, or any of these different types of mediums, you write to the medium. And I think that it's really important that when you think about what you want to do or what story you want to tell, be it PowerPoint or a video, you're creating for the medium, right? Remember early YouTube was just people were trying to figure it out. Now we know how to create for YouTube. And I think that that's a really important element to creating in any medium is, is create for the medium. Yeah, well, I love that advice because I think it's so easy to to get lost in that, right? Like to not to not think about oh, this is a video versus a comic book or even PowerPoint. And I think to me that makes just so much sense. Uh, and I love how you're breaking this down. Um, and I just want to say, uh, you know, we're, this will become a podcast, and for our podcast listeners, it doesn't mean as much. But thank you for everybody tuning in. We got lots of people from all over the world watching, buddy. So can say hello to them all. Make sure you drop your questions in the chat. And if you're, you know, if you're watching this after the fact or listening later, you can always put a comment or email us at thevisuallounge at techsmith.com. So we're always happy to hear from people. Okay, so my next question, um, you're creating your stories and I, I don't want to be too, well, I'll be blunt with you, buddy. We, 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 can, we can be blunt with each other. Uh, be blunt. You know, I feel like really cool you're doing comic books, but like, I do a lot of training and I, I get kind of the stuff you're saying about story and create to the medium. Um, but it's not marketing. It's not training. It's not, you know, technical documentation. It's, you know, comic books are cool. This, this other stuff is, you know, like it, it seems so different. So help me make that connection here. So there's some process stuff you can do. You can create to the medium. What else can we take away? Like, You've been doing this, you know, you moonlighted, you've been doing comic books for a long time. You've been doing marketing for a long time. What else is the intersection there that you've been like, oh, these worlds really aren't too far apart? You know, Matt, I think what's interesting about comics is that it is it is one of the mediums that translates very well. Um, that is, if you're dubbing a movie, it's still dubbed. Uh, if you're using subtitles, you're still looking and watching so that it's not exactly the experience. Um, but but like PowerPoint comics, you can swap out language and they're a great visual meaning for explaining something. In fact, Stan Lee and, and also comic legend Will Eisner, uh, legends in comics, uh, both started off in the military, you creating training manuals and helping to translate complex uh, repairs for machinery and reporting into visuals because people are visual learners. And as we think about people um, who are visual learners, you know, not everybody's reads on the same reading level. And some people just respond better to pictures and are visual learners. So comics are great for that. I, not too long ago, a couple of years ago, actually, I wrote for Marvel Comics a, uh, an educational comic, not targeted towards uh, children, but rather targeted towards people in their 20s with a particular health condition. And what it does is it enables you to uh, look at the body in different ways. You can dive inside of the body. Uh, and the, the cost of special effects is the same. Like a, a page costs what a page costs. So if you want to go you know, deep into the body and so scientific and medical examples, it doesn't cost you anything extra. It doesn't take you any extra time. So the medium is well adapted for um, 
rapid communication, but also for translation and transcreation across language barriers and cultures. Yeah, I love that. Well, and I love, it seems like the creativity aspects of it as well probably come into play that inherently, because because you can you can dive into inside the body. Let's, we'll take that example, right? Like you can show the medical things. And in fact, I saw uh, on, on the chat today is Kevin Thorne. Kevin is a friend of mine who works in learning and development. He, he, he creates learning comics for organizations. He's got, I know he, I've seen one of his pieces of work was uh, being used, I think in India. It's really fascinating to hear his journey of, of creating that comic. He, he does kind of everything, the writing and the illustration. But so you can have this kind of unlimited creativity. How do you make sure that, you know, like in comic book worlds, you, you said something to me earlier that kind of, that kind of trickled, uh, stuck with me. Like you talked about an opportunity you had and there's this whole world building that was going to have to, there's all these things that have to happen. So in, a, in an industry, maybe in a corporation, if you're going to use visuals, you're going to do these, whatever medium it's going to be. How does that piece of, of the comic book creation maybe apply to, to your marketing? Are you doing those same types of steps of saying like envisioning a world and characters and conflict, or are you just saying, well, this is how it really is. Like, how does that work? Yeah, I think those are great questions, man. I think there's two elements to uh, what you asked, and I think it's worth unpacking both. So first in the pure comic book writing, right? Everything requires some level of exposition, you know? Even if you're saying like, uh, Peter Parker has to explain uh, that he needs to get medication to Aunt May and he has to get photos to J. Jonah Jameson and there's a storm coming and his, his suit is wet. One of the things that they did very well in early Marvel comics and they still carry through today is make sure that it's visually interesting. So what you could have is him sitting in a chair thinking about these things, or you can have him swinging across New York City, demonstrating his powers, demonstrating the equipment in his uniform, and then also showing the background and the environment, right? You can see your present day New York City, the time of day, and you can see that he is an acrobat and he's got webs that shoot, right? So for somebody reading that story, it's visually interesting. Now for, uh, for the times when I was making short films, we shot the way Kevin Smith shot, which is whatever you had access to. That's why so many different short films or, or low budget have a scene in a diner. They, can, they have access to a diner at four in the morning, right? Or a video store. But in comics, you have access to any environment you want. So your responsibility is to make sure that when you're sharing exposition and you're explaining that unless we stop this villain, um, you, you better do it in an interesting way. You know, maybe they're falling out of an airplane. Maybe they're fighting. Maybe something is happening where they're, they're battling a, a villain or a monster. Even if it's a nondescript monster, it's still more visually interesting. So then that turns into what do we do in marketing? Well, I think one of the things that we can take away from that in marketing is that you need to be visually interesting, but you need to tell a succinct, clear story in a short amount of time. You know, people's attention span for your marketing is very limited. So you have to think, what do they want to know right now? So if they're shopping for a vehicle and they're deciding at, you know, long tail, the long tail part of their journey is I want to see what colors are available or what the luxury package looks like versus the basic package. That's your visual storytelling, but you don't have to just show a static one. You can show it in an environment. If it's a four-wheel, you can show it driving off-road, leaping over a cliff or a mountain. These are the kinds of things that we can do as visual storytellers to grab the audience, 
if we're just telling a pure story, we can make sure that the exposition is interesting. But if we're telling a marketing story, we can make sure that we contextualize and create that that moment with them so that they say, I can see what that vehicle can do. And that's why I want it. Or they can just go, well, that's not what I really want. I, I you know, I want a station wagon that, you know, trucks my kids around. Those are the different things that we do as marketers to ensure that we're telling an effective story that's clear to the audience uh, that helps them make the decision whether or not they want to continue communicating with us or they want to go in a different direction. So let me ask you this question based on what you've just said, because I'm thinking about this and thinking about, you know, I, I come from, I obviously come from a learning development background more than I do a marketing background, but I'm thinking in those moments, because you want this excitement, no one wants to see, you know, a boardroom conversation, a bunch of superheroes just sitting there like, well, what do we do? You know, it's like, it's super boring. How much of, in any of these situations, do you think that the the person experiencing it, so the, I'm, a, I'm reading a comic book, I'm watching the video, I'm taking in a commercial, how much of it should I, is, is it key that I relate to that person? Spider-Man swinging around, uh, should I feel like I'm somehow connected to Spider-Man or, or, or is that really not something you're thinking about? No, you, you know, you think about that all the time. You know, you think about um, antiheroes like Tony Soprano or Walter White. You know, they were really villains, but we watched them, so we grew an affinity toward them. You know, the more time you spend with any character, the more you begin to relate to them. If you go pure heroes and villains, no villain sees themselves as a villain. They see themselves as uh, put upon against society, and, and they are quite literally the hero of their own story. So you have to ensure that when you write these characters, you're writing from a place of truth. You know, what is true to them? You you might, um, let's just use stark terms like, you know, uh, conservative or liberal in the, in, the, in the political world. If you are writing as a writer, you know, you have to write truthfully for the character from how they would speak and see the situation. And then the other character that goes against them you have to speak truthfully. Your responsibility is to tell an effective story. Now, if you're telling a marketing story, obviously your goals are different. But you know, when you're telling a pure story, um, you know, people will naturally relate to the character they see most on the screen. So if you want somebody to relate to that character, you spend more time with them on screen. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. And just so we know, Garth points out to us that uh, Justice League does board mean boardroom meetings all the time that's right garth and they're in outer space when they do it right garth <laughs> and I, I i i may have responded to that of course they do batman's a he's the head of a mega corporation that's all he knows like ceo that stuff right like go to meetings i love um, all the comments I, there's I'm, I'm i'm looking at some familiar names and i'm seeing people uh that i hadn't met and i, and I know kevin reached out to me on linkedin i have to get back to him so there's a yeah it's a good group of people here yeah, we're excited. We're always we're always excited to have people join us live. Of course, it it makes uh, makes things fun. We like like the questions. So let's uh, you know, there's some interesting questions. I I don't know that we're equipped to handle. I'm gonna put them out there, and I think we'll we'll just kind of put them to the side for now. I, I for our show, they might be more some things that you might want to think about for later, buddy. Like, how do you know where advertising breaks are in comics? Uh, we'll probably not talk about that, but it's an interesting question. When do you put the you know, I remember the kids, I loved, as a kid, loving seeing the, ooh, I could get x-ray specs or, or whatever. I never did, though. Uh, you know, how would you give, you know, another question, how would you give more mark, get more marketers interested in advertising comic books? Again, probably not on our show or we're going to be able to talk about, about that. But let's talk about this for a second because that leads to a question. 
You know, I think comic books as a medium is really interesting. And I think we're at a, I don't know, are we at peak comic book? Like right now, you know, I know we're past the golden age of comics, but like, are we are we at a time when comic books are okay to like? I think this use? is the new golden age, Matt. I think this is the new golden age. You know, growing up um, when I was younger, comics were totally uncool, and yeah. um, you know, listen that you know, well-known story, Stan Lee uh, changed his name to write comic books because uh, he was embarrassed, and a lot of creators were embarrassed of working in comics and, and, and in a lot of ways, it wasn't an easy business to be in when I was, when I was early in my career. Um, but the, the, the proliferation of really well-made films and television shows has changed the popular conception of comics. You know, we're seeing uh, a more diverse audience. We're seeing a, a much more diverse base of creators. Uh, and I think it's evolving. It, it's more, um, inclusive in terms of storytelling. So I think comics are being uh, appreciated uh, by people who previously maybe didn't have thought of them as mature entertainment, but you know now they're going into the stores and they're saying, wow, there is a comic for me. And it might not be the mainstream superhero. They might find something in the independent uh, shelves where they say like, wow, I didn't know there was a comic that would uh, be this engaging to me. And then similarly, you know, people just like the people in our chat and the people in our comic book school who, who I see some of them here um, are now are now taking comics and making them their own. And they have a vision that far exceeds uh, what was even available 20 years ago, 10 years ago. And now they're taking comics in completely different directions. And Matt, honestly, in different mediums and interactivity and the way they do things. So I think it's I think it's a golden age. Uh, there's so much amazing content out there. Uh, you just have to walk into a comic store or log on to Webtoons or Comixology and just start your discovery. Yeah. Well, I love that. And I think Garth asked a really uh, poignant follow-up question. He says, what would be adequate training for someone who wants to do a comic book for corporate consumption? He says, I've seen it done I've well, and I've seen it done poorly. Is there a checklist of must-have skills? And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm starting to kind of think, oh gosh, there's probably a lot of skills involved, but what would you, what would you say? So I, I would say that Garth's right. You know, uh, it takes about the same amount of time, energy, and money to make a good comic as it does to make a terrible comic. And unfortunately, <laughs> it's really hard to tell until you're moving along. I think if a corporate uh, client wants to make a comic, I think the most important thing that they can do is go to established professionals who understand the medium. Um, sometimes you'll see comics that are just, uh, they're complete. So people check a box. They're like, oh, I, we completed this. Isn't it great? But you know, the, the reality is, is even the youngest kids can tell the difference between good quality storytelling and poor quality storytelling. Um, I'll give you an example. So when my kids were young, they loved The Little Mermaid and we, we played it until the VHS tape wore out. We bought another VHS tape. Then when DVDs came out, we bought the DVD uh, version. And then around the time that the DVD version was out, they, they started this straight to DVD program and they came out uh, The yes. Little Mermaid 2, which got Interestingly enough, despite the two on, it was played only one time ever, and they went right back to the Little Mermaid one. But um, even the youngest viewers could tell that even though it looked the same and had similar music, the quality wasn't up to the original one. And I think when people are thinking about making comics in a corporate environment, 
Um, they should really make sure that they're getting people that fully understand the medium, not amateurs, not first timers, because making a corporate comic is, is, is quite a bit harder than you'd realize. And I did a lot for Marvel. I've done a lot of custom, what we call custom comics for Marvel for clients like Bubblicious or the pharmaceutical company that I did it for. You know, those are hard books to write. And when you do those comics, it takes probably a more experienced pro than ever to make sure that that comic isn't terrible. So I think the best thing you can do, Garth, is make sure that you're hiring the right people, you're coming in with the right budget, and then just commit to the medium and just say, we're not going to make a comic that talks at people. We're going to make a comic that is engaging and entertaining and more subtly communicates our message. Because if it's too overt, you're going to get one read and they're never going to look at it again. So you really got to focus on quality. I love that advice because I, I, I imagine, you know, there's a lot of environments where, uh, you know, they don't want, like you talked about earlier, the action, right? You want to put Spider-Man in an interesting situation as he's pondering what whatever he's going to do. But in corporate, like a corporate comic, if it's about your corporate setting, like what's exciting? Like just there's so many other ways maybe to convey that same message. So I love that. Can we, well, can also, we talk? You know, oh, and, go ahead. And one more thing, but you know, remember more junior artists will have a hard time imagining um, full environments and the body. So a lot of junior or early artists will take a, a straight on view. And I think that, you know, there's a level of acceptability, like this shot is acceptable in this type of scenario but it's terribly boring, repeated over comic book pages. So I think one of the things you have to do is you have to have a writer who understands how to pace the medium and an artist who, who knows how to make it interesting. And then the complete uh, entire team, the anchor, the colorist, the letter, who know how to pull it together into something that's compelling and readable. And I don't think that that's something you should be careless with. Again, I go back to, you know, I, I was hired a lot through marvel to do custom comics for clients but i've done some direct for clients where somebody uh, paid uh, me and my partner to create comics for them but we were the same creators we we're the same marvel creators but i think the reality is when you get be really down to it you, you want somebody who fully understands the medium like matt you know it, you know cutting a video is different really than editing a video to mm -hmm. make it the best it could possibly be and and, and anybody can cut but really to make something special, I think that takes practice. Yeah, great analogy, especially for our show and our audience, because you're absolutely right. Editing a video is a different process than cutting a video. I can I can chop out bad parts, things mess ups all day long, but what, what am I putting in there that is meaningful, that brings engagement, that enhances or enlarges whatever the message is that we're trying to convey? And that that is a different skill. And, and, and one that, you know, like, as me, as an instructional designer, as a marketer, I see that as like, yeah, I'm, I, I can do some stuff. But when I, I talk to people that are really good and I see their work, it, it is, it's a level different, right? It's, it's completely different than even what I can do who I think, you know, I'm okay. Like I, I have enough experience. I've seen enough that I can do pretty good. But you get those people that are just really good at it. It makes, they're going to make something practice. completely different. Right. Mm -hmm. It takes practice. Like I, I you know, I use Camtasia and, and I use uh, Snagit and I practice a lot with Snagit. I use Camtasia mostly for cuts and titles and bumpers. And in fact, on the comic book school YouTube page, there are some videos that we've made with Camtasia. But, you know, the more I use it, the more I get better at it. But, you know, there are simply people who are talented and skilled. And I think if you're going to spend the same amount of time, money and energy 
I would focus on the quality. And sometimes you just have to go outside of your group just because, you know, uh, you know, that person in the, the lunchroom sketches superheroes all day doesn't necessarily mean they'll tell an effective story for your corporate brand. Right. Absolutely. Well, let me ask you this, buddy, because I'm, I'm curious. You've had the privilege, I'll say, of writing for some well-known characters. You know, uh, you've you mentioned uh, Deadpool. I, I know you've written for Rich or Rich. I don't even know if there's others in there. Probably are. Um, and these are characters that came before you, right? These, these were not your original creation of character. So, you know, Deadpool in particular, I think probably people know from the movies. Uh, you know, he's got a certain style, tone, irreverence. You know, he's the character that breaks the fourth wall. There's, so there's things known about him. And you have to then mold Buddy Scalera's vision of, of that to, to fit the character, right? You couldn't go and just make a new, you know, make Alston Deadpool's the nicest guy in the world or some, something like that, right? So, so I'm thinking about this, like, you got to stay in line with the character, the tone. What are some ideas or tips that you have that might help? Because I think that's true for corporates, corporations too, right? I, if I, I speak for TechSmith often. I, you know, write for TechSmith and I have to match tone, style, brand for someone. That TechSmith's not Matt Pierce. It's, we are different. Believe it or not, folks, we are different. It's hard. I, I know it's hard to believe sometimes. And sometimes I, maybe we're not that different. But how do you do that? Because I think that's a, probably a skill in of itself. But what advice would you give for people trying yep. to match tone for something that's maybe not not their style, not them. I, it looks like somebody said, "Christy, uh, I'm late. What did I miss? Should we just start from the beginning?" For yes, uh, absolutely. Right. absolutely. We, Christy, we'll we'll catch you up on the start right from the beginning. <laughs> anyway, kidding. You know, I think you know when you're when you're working for a corporation, usually there's um, you know there's a mission statement, there's a brand bible, um, you know there there are guidelines. There are very similar things when you're working in a comic book and. Um, it is your responsibility as a creator, not, not just the writer, but the artist as well, um, to serve the character and the story world that, that has come before you. Uh, and you're required to do a certain amount of research, as you should, and you should be serving the audience because they're the ones that are going to be buying the product and comics aren't free. So, you know, they want a good story. So it's your responsibility and you really have a contract with the audience. So if somebody reads a comic book uh, that I wrote and they hate it, they're not going to wait around month after month to see if I write better stories. They'll just drop it, right? So we do have a pretty big responsibility to maintain the continuity and the consistency of those characters, um, understand what they expect when they get a Marvel comic versus a comic where I've created the entire world. Like my own comic book project is one, one is called Apocalypse Boulevard. And that comic is is exactly what I want it to be. And there's no boundaries. I create what I want. But then after I've done it, I have to be consistent, right? So people are mm -hmm. expecting something out of Apocalypse Boulevard. They're expecting something out of Deadpool. And they're expecting something out of the press release or the corporate videos that we are creating on behalf of our employers. So I think they're very similar. It's an immersion process. It's a respect for the materials. Um, and then it's also respect for the audience that you will give your best. Um, and they, they don't know if it's going to be good until they're done with it. So it, it's built on mutual respect. I, you have to really respect your audience. Yeah, I think that I, it makes sense. And I, and I love that idea of, of the consistency, right? Like you, you set it out. This is what we are. 
And and that's not to say it can't change or evolve, but that's not an overnight, like we, we've switch, flipped a switch from this to that, right? Mm-hmm. You, you can't do that. So in that process of, of writing these characters, let's, can we talk about, I don't want to, you know, we don't have to talk about them specifically, but like the, that evolution, is that typically a, uh, mostly I just want to geek out about comic books, buddy. Sorry. I, I could do this all day. It doesn't matter. We like, can do this t- t- hours, Let's talk about care. the evolution. Cause I think brands go through evolutions too, right? Like I, I've seen it. I've been a TechSmith long enough. I've seen us evolve. So how does that happen in in character story? Because like, what are the things as a writer you're thinking about? And then we'll, we'll, of course we'll take it and apply it to brands and, you know, other things. But I'm curious, like, cause, or do you, or do you like say like, this is the world? Cause, cause I'm guessing you're not the, you're, well, I know you're not the last writer to write for Deadpool. And sometimes there's kind of these hard resets, it seems in the comic book world, but like, you know, do you get to take that character to where you want to go or, or like, are there rules? We'll never do. Kevin Feige's got for Marvel Universe, right? Cinematic Universe. He's got rules. You can't do this. You can't do this. Everything else is maybe fair game. So, well, it's no, it's a great question. So, I'll give you the Deadpool example. So, um, I was breaking in as a writer, and I really wanted to write uh, Deadpool. It was just such a great character, and uh, I guess they were around issues in the 30s or whatever. And I'm talking to the editor and and the editor was somewhat receptive. I had built a relationship and I was pitching ideas. Deadpool will do this. Deadpool will do that. And then I saw that one of the writers that was on the title was going to be concluding it. And I said, "Can can I take over with this pitch? And the editor actually said, that's a good pitch. But at that point, I wasn't experienced enough to take over a monthly comic. So I actually talked to that particular writer's name is Jimmy Pamiati. And I said, Hey, would you stay on a couple more issues? And he said, well, what's your idea? So I pitched him the idea. This is what will happen with Deadpool. And he goes, Oh, that's not bad. So we, you know, we, we kept working. Now this version of Deadpool is, as you noted, Matt, a little bit different maybe than the current version or the version that's on the screen. It's, it's times change types of humor change, the way you outline a story changes. So every character goes through evolutions. You know, if you think back, early Batman was very dark. And then in the 60s, it was goofy because it was based on the 66 Batman series. It was ridiculous. And then at some point in the mid 70s, Denny O'Neill brought it back and made grim and gritty. And then Frank Miller went even darker. So, you know, your characters go through times and changes. But when you're pitching to an editor, you're, you're, you're pitching a vision and a voice. It has to maintain the core of that character, but what are you going to do that we have never seen before? What are you going to do that brings excitement to the reader? And always the key thing is what has never been done before? So, you know, you can go through the catalog at that point. Like I said, it was in the mid thirties or something into the forties of Deadpool. And I went, well, this has never been done before. And that was actually the hook that brought me in as a writer. And then once you're in the door and you're doing a monthly book, you have a different relationship with the editor. And then you can start to pitch different ideas. And you can talk to other writers about crossing over. And that's what we ended up doing with The Punisher and some of the most popular issues we did. So it's a matter of getting in the door. You got to get any way you can. But usually the best way to get in is to publish an independent comic book, show an editor yeah, I can do a 20-page story on a deadline, or I can do 22 pages. I can do a six-issue series. And then you hand it to them, and they go, oh, cool. But if you're just another person walking up to them and saying, 
you know, I've got an idea for Spider-Man. Yeah, you and everybody else. But now you, you prove it, right? You prove it. And then if you write something the editor writes and they go, ah, I see that little spark of magic. That's when you get the door open for you. So that's what we do at comic book school. We try to help people to get that writing experience, work through their kinks, work through all their cliches and, and bad storytelling. And they begin to hone it and be refined. And that refinement is where we're going, where we then take people to the next level and get them uh, in front of editor. Actually, one of our uh, students just recently, after working with us in comic book school almost two years, is seeing his first official public paid credit, which is a great thing. That's awesome. That's really cool. Can we can we talk a little? Let's go back to the visuals a little bit because I think there's some opportunities here. Because pre-show we were talking and uh, you you had shared some some visuals with me, and I think this is really important because. Obviously, comic books, it's the words are important. I don't want to discredit the words, right? Those are important, but the visuals carry so much weight. Um, and I think that's true for a lot of things that we do in, in business and learning and development. Visuals are important to help convey those messages, to get to emphasize key things. So what would you have to say? Because obviously, it's a unique medium working in comic books, you know, as just as video is a unique medium. What can we learn from how comic books are laid out and designed to help us to understand, like, what, what should we be thinking about when we're creating our own visuals? Uh, I think it's a great question, Matt. I think one of the key things that is important to note is that we read in a Z pattern, right? Our eyes track left to right, then top to bottom. And anytime you know how the eye tracks, I'm talking about Western culture. I know that uh, Eastern culture might read the opposite direction, but I mean, for many of the people that are listening today, we're going to read in a Z pattern. So I'm going to just show something real quick, if that's okay with you, Matt. Yeah. The idea is that I'm going to um, show you, no, I don't know if they can see this. Can they I, see? I will, I will bring it up on the screen here in just a second. Let me switch over to it because, you know, I've got to assign it. My vacation photos. Is that is that what's showing? Uh, we're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, I'm, I'm finding the, the where I gotta find the, the. We had all this planned. We had, I promise we had all this planned. Yeah, we, we worked find, it out ahead of time. And I gotta find my the, comic book school people are gonna make fun because it's usually me that can't find the screen. <laughs> They're gonna. I just gotta find the right shot. There we go. Here we go. Nope, so that's me. Two, that's you. I, I, we don't want me. We get. We want. Uh, nope, that's my screen. So we're getting there. We're getting those, closer. Those are your, your vacation photos. That's my vacation. There's, you can see all the questions I'm going to ask. So let me let me switch back here real quick because that's not what I wanted. You know, while we're waiting, Matt, I should tell everybody, every Tuesday we go live. Comic Book School owns Tuesday night on YouTube where we talk about educational uh bits. So all the people that are asking questions here can join us on the Comic Book School YouTube channel where we will answer all of your questions and there, are, I see a black screen. That we're, we're getting there. I'm, I'm working through what what to we're show, and I want to show. Uh, we're going to do look this. at redheaded Ed. Oh, look Red at that! It's, it's getting funny. it's getting even better. There we go. There I can you see. go. All I right. did it. You did a great job. Okay, so <laughs> I think one of the things that I'd really like to unpack with your audience is the idea that the eye is tracked in a very specific way, especially in older comics. They did a great job, and they spent a lot of time because if you can think back. This wasn't photoshopped. They manually laid down Aquaman. They manually laid down 12 cents and, and all of these other elements. Now, when you're doing that, there's a lot of intent. And comics were not, you couldn't email 
the file. So when I'm doing an analysis and, and I want to understand what's happening on the page, the first thing I do, Matt, is I drop the color. Now you could do this in Snagit, you could do this in PowerPoint, you can do this in a lot of different ways. Um, but what this does is it takes away the, the eye candy, really. So if you wanted to think about how the eye would track, the way I would suggest is that, you know, the eye was designed to look at the DC logo in the 12 cent. Now, Aquaman is where it is because on a comic rack, you could usually could only get the, you know, the top third of the page. So they wanted to make sure that they got the Aquaman logo. And then the eye tracked to the end of Aquaman. And then first thing you would see is don't worry, Aquaman. Now, your eye doesn't continue here. These two characters aren't looking at the main character. They're actually looking off screen. They're deprioritized. So don't worry, Aquaman. So the next thing your eye will do is a Z pattern. You see the Z. Tide will be up, so you see this. Okay, so your eye has landed here. Now there's no place else to go, a lot of negative space. So the next dialogue, and you can literally see the tail pointing at the word in about an hour, and then to Aquaman's face, and then declaring, but if I don't have water, I die in two minutes. Okay, and then you go to the right side of the page. Now what's notable about this is it's reinforced that this is Aquaman. I, if I'm looking at this further, oh, okay, that's Aquaman. The tide will be up in about an hour and you go okay in about an hour but if i don't have water in two minutes i die in two if i don't have water i die in two minutes this is a really important thing because what it does is it sets the tone and you say to the reader if you buy this issue here's what's inside here's the z pattern let's do one more time and this is a this is a really good example because this is done by a master comic artist so we do the color map and then we say, okay, well, let's just drop the color so we can really see what's going on. This is what we would see as creators. Like we would see this art and we would say, okay, what are we going to do here? So if, if, the, if, the, if the viewers are tracking along, if they see the same Z pattern, let's go through it together. So go across to Superman, the eye meets at the end, right? Now you can see there's a figure in the extreme foreground. And the first thing you can do, there's nothing else you can do. You see these hips and then you say, Supergirl. Okay, that just reinforced. He's talking to Supergirl. He is looking at Supergirl. Have you gone mad? And you can see even from the from the the font, the font has changed. All bold. Have you gone? And then they've changed the font. And now you've smashed the bottle city of Candor. So your eye goes over here. There's no place else to go. And killed seven million people. And now you know what that glass bottle is, right? Like when you saw this, you could you could take this in and in a, in, in a half a second. But now you understand what's going on here. Interestingly enough, uh, the artist signs his name right here in the place where the call to action is to turn the page. And that there creates the imperative. And you remember that that artist's name. But without this, you wouldn't know this is Supergirl. You wouldn't know that she's just killed 7 million people. You can see Superman looking at her. So the Z pattern is very clear here. You know, you can kind of see a macro Z pattern and you can see from his urgency that this is not a good thing. And then I'm going to do one more thing, Matt, and then we'll then we'll go back and I'll show you. If, if you look at this cover and you had to think, how would I write this? Here's here's literally how I might write it. So I would say cover one to the top left logo, line of DC superstars tagline right there. Superman logo, purple offset, reds and blues, top right, price is 30 cents, issue 207, internal code. And then I'd note extreme foregirl, foreground of Supergirl smashing the bottle city of Kandor. Shards of glass explode on the ground, do not show her face, but clearly this is Supergirl. Superman in deep background rushing to stop her, his pained face shows his inability to stop her 
and then he says Supergirl, and you could see how we do the accents. We underline them. You smashed the, the bottle city of Kandor and killed 7 million people. Tell me which one, Matt, is more compelling. Of course, we're attracted to the picture, so I'll pause there for a second. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, this is so fantastic. And I love using the Z pattern. And uh, I love there's so much going on here, the dropping out of the color. So you're not it's not persuading it. You're like right. you're really getting to see where it goes. So this is all really fantastic. And I imagine this works with not just comic books, but most images, right? Understanding the images and what that pattern looks like. So let me go back to there, yeah. There we are. Well, I mean, in the hands of a master creator, of an experienced artist, who's somebody who's taken the time to really train their eye, they will control the eye. And that's the difference between like the earlier question. What's the difference if somebody? Well, nobody said that, but like, you know, if you have an inexperienced creator, they don't know how to control the eye. They don't know how to tell an evocative story. Um, they might not know where the inflection point should be and and how to really draw the emotion out. And I think that that's why it's important to work with experienced people and for you and all of the people who come to comic book school and to the other uh, places where we learn how to create comics is to take the time, work through your craft. Don't rush it. Like really take the time to learn how to make uh, effective comic books like Little Mermaid 1 versus Little Mermaid 2. There is a perceptible difference. People might not be able to point to it, but they have the feeling that one has a better quality than another. And I think it's really important for people to take seriously the uh, the learning journey that you have to go on to be an effective storyteller. Yeah, and we see storytelling in so many things. It's so, so valuable. Uh, I was at a, a small little conference this week and it was for instructional designers, learning developers. And I went to a session about storytelling and, uh, you know, the, the amount of emotion in a very quick amount of time this person was able to evoke, like about this quick, it was like a three line story about this woman who basically getting this guy fired and how, and everyone's room's like, oh, we hate her. You know, it was like, just, it was amazing what good story can do to, to convey information. But it takes practice, right? It takes practice, right? You go, yeah. to, you, you go to see a comedian that's working out their first act versus a master comedian who has figured out how to distill the story down you know if you see people who are effective storytellers at a pub and then there's another level where they're effective storytellers on a netflix special these things take practice so i think you anybody can do it you just have to be willing to commit yourself to being a student yeah we've got two questions i want to try to get to and then we're going to be in for speed round because we're running out of time uh so the the first question uh, what are the two top skills you think comic books can share to improve visual brands and marketing? I think that comic books can help you to contextualize your brand in a way that is much more expensive and much more difficult in other mediums. You know, comics can tell you placement and time. So learning how to use that visual medium can help people to under to appreciate how to enjoy the brand but also do things like fix the brand if you've ever seen like ikea instructions they're they're a nightmare there's no reason why ikea instructions couldn't be made into a good comic book right if you can watch a video on youtube and learn how to fix your car well you know a comic is actually even better for that so i, I would advocate for brands to think very carefully about ways that they can utilize this medium that's familiar to all of us. And let's face it, Matt, this is an inexpensive medium compared to other 
production mediums and it's much faster so i think what we need to do is really think about what is the powerful of that power of that medium the ability to open a comic leave it there and fix an engine or, or assemble furniture that can be an effective way that helps a brand make people feel good about assembling furniture or building a car or cooking a meal these are all things that comics are very good at and can truly help brands to create a differentiated experience as well Matt, because you know how often do you get a comic packaged with something that you have to put together way better like look at lego instructions and old model instructions are essentially comics yeah so just just so you know uh, i may have met guys from ikea that actually write the the manuals for building stuff and they talked about the process so fascinating so yes, fascinating tell them that we can make comics for them and they'll be even better <laughs> i i don't doubt it but you know then you don't have the puffy guy that doesn't have any real semblance of personality. <laughs> so I've got another question. I've asked I've yeah. asked Kevin to elaborate a little bit because I think there's probably a time we have we need to narrow down a little bit. But his question was this: uh, How do you write an instructional comic for digital storytelling? And I'm not sure exactly. Maybe you understand what that fully means. But if, Kevin, if you're watching, I love to help us narrow it down because I mean, are there differences digital storytelling versus kind of the comic book medium? Like, oh yeah, I mean, you know, you know, Kevin. I think if you're you're thinking about um, the delivery mechanism, like webtoons, which is you know clearly designed for a mobile audience and vertical, and many comics today are designed for the mobile flip, right? You're going to do the mobile flip, but also comics now are designed and chopped. So when you're on a mobile device, be it a comic, but be it an iPhone or or an iPad, you could look at the panel by panel, and you can also see little animations and even sound effects. So today you can create something that you couldn't create years ago, but the magic of a print comic is that a person has to be complicit in the reading of a comic. When you open up a comic and it spreads like this, you can legitimately see the entire story. But if you follow page by page from the left side, you know, panel, 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 next page, panel, 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 you have complied and gone along with the storytelling. You know, when you're on a digital meeting and all you can do is flick to panels, that's a different type of contract that you have with the reader. All are equally valid as storytelling platforms, but the way you write to them needs to be a little different, especially if, you know, if you're writing a page and you know the page will have a clear layout and be printed like this versus something that will just come up panel at a time. And I think we are still in the learning process, many of us, myself included, in writing more effectively toward that digital medium. But I think it's an ongoing journey of discovery and acceptance that we all, you know, we're all making it up together. Yeah. And uh, Kevin point does point out that, you know, instructional comments probably have interactive elements. So you're, you're not only, uh, adding in the visuals, you're adding in maybe these other interactive hyperlinks, pieces. Call outs. Yeah. You can do hyperlinks and call outs and, you know, a definition with an eye, right? Like all of those things are very possible in digital that print can't do. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, I know Kevin, he wouldn't do this, but Oh, the, the comic book quiz questions as you get, you're going, what, what happens next? You know, I mean, there's all sorts of possibilities, interactive comic books. That was the whole premise of the movie big, right? He, he developed an interactive comic that you could choose, choose your own adventure. So. Well, Kevin, make sure in the, in the show, in the show comments, you put your website so I can go check out what you're doing. Yeah. Kevin's got some awesome stuff. I've seen it. I, I, Kevin's been on the show. Actually, you should, you guys are now both visual Kevin, lounge alum. Kevin. Yeah. We're alumni. That's right. So, okay. It is 
time, we need to we need to move things along. So we're gonna go into our speed round questions. If if your first time watching the show, these are qu quick answers. Maybe sometimes not so quick questions because I talk too much. But here we go, speed round. All right, buddy. First question. I know who you, who has employed you to some degree, but DC or Marvel as a reader? Marvel. Good. Good man. Good man. <laughs> not. We don't want to get everybody mad. It's whatever you like. It's good. Okay. What is the favorite comic storyline that you wrote? Uh, I would say the Deadpool storyline with Jimmy Palmiotti, where we write uh, Deadpool versus the Punisher. Yeah. Classic battle, right? Hardcore. Okay, what's the favorite comic book? These are all comic book questions because, again, I just want to nerd about comic books. Okay. Favorite comic book storyline that you didn't write? Uh, gosh, I would have to say The Killing Joke by uh, Alan Moore and Brian Boland. Um, yeah. Oh, you know what? Ra uh, Rachel Rising also to throw an indie comic in there. Okay. And I'm neither of those I'm familiar with, so I'm, I'm sure they're excellent if you're recommending them. Since comic books are inherently, uh, gosh, there's lots of there's lots of history, there's lots of things that you could do, not just for comic books, but in your work life. Your where do you turn for inspiration? Uh, real life, Matt. I think um, just getting to know uh, people and being a good listener. And I always carry around my notebook. I actually have a TechSmith notebook. Uh, so I carry around. My, I have two TechSmith swag. We didn't talk about this. This is my TechSmith swag. This is my. Most my people card. probably don't know the card. We made a card game. You made a card game, and I, I'm, I'm I'm in that card game. I am also. You know what? It's over on the wall here. I am also in the card game. I'm a character in a card oh, game. I? Yeah. So inspiration comes from real life, man. I mean, you know, it, it's about people and interactions, what people want, what their hopes, dreams, and desires, and then what gets in their way. That's where the real story is. So, you know, being a good listener uh, and listening to other people tell their personal stories, I think is where I get mo most of my inspiration. Yeah, I, well, I love that because I imagine as fantastical as comic books are, there has to be a grounded, like some grounding in reality to make it to connect, right? Because if I can't connect with, if I can't see myself in the hero or the anti-hero or whatever, I don't care, right? Yeah. It's all, it's all about finding that story. You know, you know, Star Wars came down to the story of Luke Skywalker, right? This, this wonderful narrative was pulled together. It didn't matter how epic it was. It was still about uh, this person uh, on a personal growth journey. And I think that that's, that's where I get my inspiration. Yeah. Although, uh, you know, there's so many Star Wars things now. It's not, it used to be Luke Skywalker. And then they tried to do some other stuff, but it should have still been Luke Skywalker. But now, we got some, <laughs> now we've got some fantastic stories. Is this your get off the lawn moment, Matt? That's like, right. get, like, get off my lawn, get off my Star Wars. Hey, I was, you know, we talked about age and I won't say it here, but I, I went to the first Star Wars. I don't remember it, but I was there in the theater. So <laughs> I may have been. Less than a month old, but you know, whatever. <laughs> My parents took me. My mom's a sci-fi fan. Okay, last question for you. I'm going to warn you. Everyone says this is the hardest question we ask in Speed Round. We ask it of all of our guests, so we're not just picking on you. What's a question you'd like to ask me? I would like to ask you what video you think is the best edited movie ever to come out. 
Interesting, best edited movie. So I'm gonna be really honest here. I talk a lot about videos, but I am not like the movie, like Andy Owen, who we have on the show and he works for TechSmith, the video producer, he can talk about movies. Another guy that we that used to work at TechSmith, he's uh, helped us a lot with the TechSmith Academy, Barrett Baxter, he could talk about movies. I'm not that guy. Uh, I and I, I wish I was more like when I, I remember being a kid. I could tell you the name of actors, what movie, like I could do all that, and I I just kind of grew away from it. But I love I love film, I love making videos, I love instructional design. But I'm not like I, you know I just want to enjoy the movies I watch, so I don't analyze them. But gosh, what's one that's really well edited? Gosh, that's really hard because it, I'm, all my mind is going through all the different genres and different eras. I don't know if I have a good answer for you. I'm going to have to you think know what about I, this. You know what I would say, Matt? Is what would you say? The best edited movie is an indie movie that came out of Germany in the late 90s. I think it was called Run, Lola, Run. All right. And it was a wonderful film about a uh, about a woman who had 15 minutes to raise $50,000 to save her boyfriend's life. So the 90-minute movie is about a 15-minute um, where Lola has to run to save her boyfriend's life. And it's really all in the editing and the music and the sound design. It's just such a great film. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I, you know, Kevin makes a good point. I'm more of a board game geek than I'm a movie buff, believe it or not. Uh, let's talk Dungeons & Dragons. I, I, we have the Thanos game at my house. It's it's fantastic. If you've ever played the MCU Thanos game, we love it. Okay, I'll have to check that out. I love a good board game, and I I love role playing games. So that's that's probably like if you, you're asking me where I spend my time, I actually that's spend way I'm more asking. time. That, Matt, yeah. where do you spend your time? Yeah, perfect, perfect. We'll edit the last part out. No, don't worry. Uh, yeah, I actually, you know, Dungeons and Dragons is where I spend I spend a lot of time in world build. So it's very similar to comics, like world building. Character creation. Uh, we play a work, a weekly game at work, uh, and I've got people that we've played. We just finished a campaign after uh, like two years. Uh, wow. Jesse O'Donnell, who you know well, is one of them. I love Jesse. Jesse, big shout and out she's, to Jesse. She, she's in the chat helping out, and so we, you know, I, that's where I spend when I'm not doing my real life stuff, like you know, family and community stuff. I'm, I'm spending time thinking about. How, how to kill off the players in my game. <laughs> I don't blame you. Uh, true or false, is there, true or false, uh, that TechSmith every year gives out the uh, Jesse O'Donnell Award, like for, for most exceptional, awesome employee, and every year Jesse wins. Is that true? I, I would say she wins every single year. Uh, I might okay. be giving it to her every single year, and but, but you know... Uh, we'll 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 take it because she's she's fantastic and you know she's in the chat she always helps out every week and she's so generous to i say she has to put up with more than everybody else because she listens to me every week buddy every and, week. and a shout out who who's who's uh who's the guy with the epic beard who makes all your training videos jason Vlad. yeah jason's awesome he is awesome i have used his videos more times than i can count to like quickly uh figure out something in camtasia I just call him Epic Beard Guy. I <laughs> I don't know if that if that's his official title, but I, it I is think now. He's, great. he's so it, entertaining and he's so informative. Tell him I'm a, I'm a fan. All right, we we will do that. Well, well, buddy Scalera, thank you so much for spending so much time with us and uh, going through and just sharing your knowledge. We always appreciate hanging out with you, and I've loved uh, all the comic book chat that we we shared with everybody else and the stuff that we got to talk about pre-show. So we want to just thank you for that and. With that said, just want to remind everybody, we go live every week. Next week, 
I know for the podcast people, it doesn't make as much sense, but we'll be live on Monday because it's a holiday in the US. So we're gonna go early. We're gonna be talking about gears and gifts, things that you might wanna get your favorite video creator or get pick up for yourself. If you're looking to upgrade your stuff, because we always talk about leveling up here on the Visual Lounge. You could level up your gear to make it a little bit better. The week after that, so the week after whatever next week is, uh, we are gonna have Megan Torrance and Jess Jackson. Jess Jackson, and we're gonna be talking about diversity and inclusion in images and media. So I think that's gonna be a really important conversation. Obviously, it's a, a big important topic we wanna be having to make sure we're representing people appropriate and well in, in the media that we're creating and that we're using. And then we got another, more great stuff coming down the pipe almost every week. And at some point, because the holidays, we'll take a break. But with that said, you know what I'm gonna say. Whatever you're doing, if you're making images or video, however you're trying to get better, we hope you take a little time to level up every single day. So we hope you enjoy, guys. Make sure you also like, subscribe, follow, do whatever it is you're gonna do, and share this out. We want more people to find out about the Visual Lounge. We'll see you all next week. Mm -hmm.